What's up? You are listening to The Quest for 100. Uh, I'm here with my partner in crime, Brian. I don't even know what you just said. Guten Tag. I'm uh, saying hello to our German followers oh. who we have following us yeah, now. Yeah, we, we do have a couple. Um, so uh, that that's for you for you guys or, or one person, maybe two. We'll see. We'll grow. We'll grow it. But uh, yeah, welcome in. This is the Quest for 100. We are a weekly podcast that gives you a little bit of learnings, but then has some fun debates and and um, conversations here at the end. and And we like to think we have some fun, and uh, yeah, hopefully you do as well. Yeah, yeah, we we uh, definitely have some fun over these. This is episode nine. I can't believe we're already episode nine. Yeah. But uh, I've really enjoyed the process. I have learned too. a lot yep. throughout the process. Yep. And, you know, this quest is just, just continuing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just beginning. We've it still is. got plenty to go, and we're loving every minute of it. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we usually start our podcast just with a little catch up on, on uh, you know, since last time. And, um, you know, for, for um, some of our conversations. So, first, we are pre-recording this episode. This is the first time we are doing two episodes in one week uh, because Brian will be out of town. Yeah, I didn't realize we were giving the public that. That's fine. Okay. The, the public can Th- know. That happens in podcasts? Yeah, we are, no, what I'm saying is we are dedicated to our fans that yeah. we won't miss a week. We'll actually do two in a week just so we can get uh, you guys the content that you want. Got it. So I didn't realize that was um, Some people do. Some people for, don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, I would also like to, um, you know, we had some conversations with some fans actually uh, today. And uh, without getting too into the the details of this, but Brian and I had a conversation with, with two ladies that would like to be on the podcast and think that they are the experts in a certain category. Yeah, they're, they're going to surprise us with the category. Yep. And they're going to do all the prep work. Yep. And we'll just see how this goes. Yeah. So we're going to be kind of, you know, part of the part of the conversation, but but they're going to be running the show for our tenth episode next week. Yeah. Uh, so we have no idea how it's going to go. It could be a mess, but maybe it will be great. Yeah. So a- another fan experience that I had specifically with the podcast that we just posted about milk. The discussion came up of of sour chocolate milk, and have you ever had sour chocolate milk? Yeah, I have not. And I haven't either. And, and then the person actually had some chocolate milk and thought it smelled sour, but mm. then tasted fine. So so you might be okay in the milk debate. Yeah, right? in, in that milk delusional thinking debate. Yep. You might be okay with, with just throwing a lot of chocolate into yeah, your right? sour milk. Interesting. But yeah. Yeah, so so not not too much um, since last time, but we do want to start a new segment because we were informed that sometimes we leave the listeners hanging. Yep, we have to come back around, and and we we feel like we need to make the corrections and and, and fix the mistakes when we were wrong. Please hang up and try again. Was that wrong? So the first one, we were talking about Plaster of Paris last episode with milk and the swill milk and and how people used to put in Plaster of Paris to make it more appealing, look more appealing and, and, um, you know, just look better to the consumer. Mm -hmm. And and I told you Plaster of Paris was what you use for paper mache, Mm -hmm. and it's a binder. It it is in some ways, but, um, you know, Plaster of Paris um, is, you know, the building material that is used for the protective and decorative coating of walls and ceilings and the moldings. So even worse. Yes, it's it's even worse than I was trying to explain it because I think – the paper mache type of stuff is a lot of water mm-hmm. and binder, but yep. 
Plaster of Paris is is even worse. So yep. um, y- you've got that for one. The cow milker. So I looked up online. Oh, what a cow! What milker? a cow person who milks a cow is, and I could not find a cow milker. So I think made milking is. I think that's is fair. one of the closer things. They also brought up you know ranchers and just regular farmers mm-hmm. as you know that's what they would yeah. be called. We would love to hear from you if you if you know anything different. <laughs> if you're the expert, yeah, we're we're open to it. the the last one that I had from last episode was running out of uh, there's a there's a term in economics where once you run out of a, a consumer good that determines your um, behavior moving forward and and causes you to potentially go shopping again or whatever that might mm-hmm. uh, be. For me, that used to be milk. I would always go shopping after milk, and I couldn't think of that economics term. Mm-hmm. I I went back into my economics this is textbooks. dedication, people. Yes. I went back in my economic textbooks from college. I could not Hard find copy. that term. I'm surprised you still have them. Oh, I keep them all. That's impressive. I keep them all. Maybe that's a d- d- discussion for another day. But <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the term. So I I asked the listeners, let me know what that term is because it is killing me. I can like the amount of time that I've spent looking up this term in the last couple of days is is probably astonishing to people because I'm like constantly think thinking about it on my phone. Like, what is that term? Like, yeah. what is a good term should, to search? Brian's gonna sign to, up for an economics class again yeah, just, just so he can learn that one. <laughs> and as soon as he learns, he's gonna come back to the podcast. He's gonna let us know. I I asked good. I asked my stepmom who's who's a went to school for economics. She oh, couldn't think of what wow. the term was. She gave me some other ones that were close, but not the term that I yeah. was thinking of. So we we just need an economist, yeah, to come out. Somebody let us know. Let yeah. us know what this term is because I know there is a term, and I remember thinking milk is that product for me. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get that answer for you. This was our first correction. We don't even have a title for it yet, but uh, we're gonna look to be doing this a little bit more. You know, hopefully there won't be a lot of them every every week. But we want to make sure that when you go, and if you are a regular listener, that we are giving you the right information as much as we can. And if you see things that are wrong or hear things that are wrong, let us know, and we'll try to correct this. So our topic this week—I uh, don't even think we've touched on yet—but nope. uh, you know, we decided to talk about traffic. Yeah. So, and and I think before you even go into the traffic news, I think we need to talk about how we came about the the traffic topic. Sure. It, it came via text. Yep. And we were trying to figure out what topic we were going to talk about. And I apparently read your mind or, or we've it was through the, nine through nine episodes. Somehow we, we have become one brain we're in sync. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But so on my way, I, I so I, I, I come in uh, to work and I I. I park my car as as per usual, and we'll get into this a little bit later. But uh, I when I walk by and I look at everybody who parked their car, and I'm like, you know what? Like, it's weird. There's a lot of people that park, you know, back into a space or go forward. And I was like, that would be a really interesting topic to just talk about, like cars in that way or traffic and just how people operate, you know, uh, as they get to and from places. And uh, and then Brian that night was like, oh, so like we we're talking about getting this podcast recorded and he's like well, what are your thoughts on traffic i was like what like how did you even <laughs> know that and because he, he was like he made a comment about how i park and i was like you're i don't understand but somehow we're in sync and uh yeah i'm not complaining it works it's yeah. meant to be yeah well so let's do a little traffic news in the news as we did a little bit of this research, Brian and I were just talking about this. It is quite hard to find news in the traffic world because if you try to find news, uh, it ends up being your local traffic report. Yeah. So and we could we could give you the the local traffic <laughs> we, report we for this segment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I-90 is backed up. Uh, yeah. But no. So uh, for Four me – Four or five through the S-curves yeah, is yep. struggling. Yep. As, as always. Uh, but no. So – 
what my my news was a little bit um, a little bit number heavy, but uh, I was actually really curious when when you look at traffic where the most dense cities are uh, in the United States and um, and so I was looking through because I've heard reports that Seattle was actually one of the the top ones and I think it, maybe it was a couple years ago um, that it was between like Honolulu, Hawaii and, and Seattle and, and I don't know if that was a false report or not but according to uh, Inrix, which is a global leader for transportation analytics they they released a report um, somewhat recently and uh, no surprise LA Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, is the um, the most dense and and most um, there's just a lot of a lot of traffic in a small amount of area. Uh, New York City is number two, San Francisco number three, uh, followed by Atlanta and Miami, and Seattle actually falls um, number nine. Um, and uh, if you look globally, there's actually um, some places in um, I think it's Belgium. I have to pull the report back up, but essentially uh, the United States for the the amount of area that we have mm-hmm. is actually um, there's just a ton of traffic in these small areas, these small cities, or yeah. small in, in, in quotation marks. Um, but I just thought that was kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, so many people, I mean, this is this is pretty common, but, um, but for comparison, Seattle is half as dense um, in traffic as LA mm-hmm. um, and just about half uh, compared to New York City. So, Well, so my news has to do with the viaduct and, and via doom the uh for those of you who are not in the area it's a very viaduct. nice well old um two double decker highway that runs along the seattle waterfront that that just closed down and is getting replaced with a tunnel and they finally finished the tunnel um i think last saturday was the last last day for it um and now we're dealing with some major traffic issues because there's this little gap between the uh, opening of the tunnel, which is coming at the beginning of February, mm-hmm. and the closing of the viaduct. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw on, on Saturday, but um, they closed the viaduct at 10 p.m. And a bunch of people decided they wanted to be the last um, on the viaduct, oh geez, and so it basically became a standstill, and people started to get out of their cars and party and shoot off fireworks and all of that type of stuff. <laughs> um, I think one of the reports that I saw uh, was that the actual last car that had to was on the viaduct had to be pushed off of it because it the car had actually died. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. So then, actually, the next day, people. Pedestrians kept coming onto the uh, the viaduct and just walking around. So um, this all all happened over the last week, um, and you know, just f- feel like I, I need to let the listeners know some information about the viaduct uh, before we really get into you know dropping knowledge. Um, but but the interestingly, the viaduct actually uh, opened before I five through Seattle. So it opened April fourth, nineteen fifty three, mm-hmm. um, which was which was I think three years before I five did. Um, in the seventies, they were already starting about started talking about tearing it down. <laughs> so only only you know twenty years later, yep. they were starting to talk about talking it down, and now we're you know yeah. 65 that's, years. That's one of the things that I was going to say with the viaduct and, um, you know, being an outsider and moving to the city. Uh, I feel like that was one of the first things I learned about this city is like the frustrations with traffic and then, you know, 99 or, or the viaduct and, and how it's been this whole long process of getting, you know, revamped and now the tunnel and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, it's basically just been a joke. Right. Uh, for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years yeah, or whatever cause, it is Because in 2001, we had the Nisqually earthquake, and that really did some major damage. And the viaduct, you know, 
people started to think, oh, if we get another big one, yep. the viaduct's not going to stand up. So that's mm-hmm. really when the catalyst for this new tunnel and, you know, tearing everything down. So, you know, we're going to lose some of the great views that you had um, on the viaduct because it was right on the waterfront. Um, it's going to make the waterfront for, for Seattle look a little bit different. But, um, you know, we're, we're moving on forward with a with a big tunnel. Yeah. Well, um, real quick, because I want to save Brian a little research after this, I did find that the – so the, the metrics for my, my report um, were hours spent in, in congestion, and L.A. is the worst in the entire world. Wow. Um, number two is actually not not in Belgium, but it's it's in Moscow, Russia. So mm. um, with and Moscow is just as congested or just as many hours spent in congestion as uh, New York City. So um, that's just I mean it's, it's kind of if anyone has been to L.A., you're probably not too shocked. It's it is awful. It, yeah, it is a terrible place uh, from a traffic perspective. Um, but, uh, yeah, so America has three of the top five um, hours spent in congestion. Wow. So. We've already started to drop a little bit of knowledge in our news mm-hmm. just because it was so hard to find <laughs> specific news. Specific news. <laughs> yep. But let's go into our traditional dropping knowledge segment. So, again, if you're, you're new with us, uh, I'm the history guy. Justin's the stats guy. You may have already noticed that from the in the news <laughs> as we kind of did a little bit of that. Yep. But uh, I started to look at the history of traffic and and how things kind of evolved or or really devolved because you know er, early um, early on there was no real traffic issues because of you know no cars and things like that. Um, it was really 1722 that uh, there was a traffic control problem over the London Bridge. Hmm. Um, and the mayor of London hired three people to keep traffic moving. So that was the first oh. thought of, you know, traffic control and, and congestion. Um, we moved to 1860 into New, New York, um, and the New York City Police Department started to regulate uh, horse-drawn buses um, and this was kind of the first real-time responsive traffic control. But the problem with that was you'd have uh, officers at each intersection and none of them were co- coordinated. So mm. they would do their best to keep the flow going, but no. they weren't coordinated. Yeah, it's so, going to screw somebody else up. Yes. Um, and so, again, this is well before, um, you know, the the car idea of the car came in. Um, obviously, we have you know there was some variations of of motorized vehicles that ran on steam and and coal and things like that, but it wasn't really the abundance that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, Eighteen sixty eight was the first automated traffic signal in London. Okay, um, and um, that was a. Uh, um, you know, mechanized system. So replace started replacing the uh, police officers. Uh, then we moved to 1886 with Carl Benz, and he created the first uh, modern car and the internal combustion engine. Okay. Uh, and this is where we really, um, you know, start to evolve the traffic problem. Um, you know, we go a little bit farther to 1908 with the Model T, and that was really the first um, car that was accessible to the masses. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, more cars on the road, more traffic, right? Yeah. Um, and it was early in the, the 1900s that uh, the Saturday Evening Post, coin, which was a week, weekly magazine, coined the term of a traffic jam. Hmm. It was the 1900s. Um and then, uh, then we move a little bit ahead, and um, Houston actually, in 1922, um, had the first interconnected signals um, for traffic control. So, oh, cool. um, you know, you uh, 
they actually had them synced up and somewhat yeah. trying to help ease congestion through mm-hmm. intersections. Yeah. Um, obviously, soon after uh, or shortly after that, um, I read a lot of things about Los Angeles and just the struggle behind traffic in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, well, I think that, you know when you think traffic and um, you know actually, and I'm I'm not the expert in this, so. You know, we'll see where this goes. But essentially, um, Ben Franklin uh, designed this streets. Well, I know this from Philly, but Ben Franklin designed the streets of Philly. Mm -hmm. um, And he made them in a grid style that was supposed to be conducive towards, you know, movement and traffic. And it's interesting to see how I mean, because there are people that in in a lot of ways, depending on the city or how, how old the city is, that like help design the actual like way the city's built mm-hmm. and i don't know with la like i mean there's just so many people there right. that it just it, it's a nightmare to I, I can only imagine to like plan that out mm-hmm. um but there's some cities that are just kind of screwed because it's just how it is and yeah. there's really no way yeah to really make it better you better. make the most yeah. out of it yeah but, yeah for um, sure you'd have to i mean the i think the problem with la is that you it's a fairly expansive area mm-hmm. um, when you talk about where people are trying to get to. I mean, obviously you have you have New York and and some of those larger East Coast cities, but yeah. but a lot of those have you know a, a good public transportation yep. system. Yep. Um, L.A. doesn't have that at all. I was actually just looking at the map. Um, uh, of the metro system in LA and it is not good at all. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't go anywhere really. I mean, I, it, I've taken it a few times, but it, it's very difficult to yeah. get to some of the major suburban cities, mm-hmm. uh, on those lines. Now this is, this is anecdotal, but I would say, uh, when moving out from the East coast to the West coast, I genuinely feel that at least in the Seattle area, that people are a little bit more uh, lax in their driving, uh, it feels like. Uh, this isn't everyone, but I feel like, you know, and there's, and don't get me wrong, there are some beautiful things where we live right now, and you can see mountains and lakes and, you know, everything. It's just, it's all there. Um, but people just drive slower out here, and, and I feel like, Back in in the Philly area, it, it was you were in New York too, Jersey as well. Like it's like you have a mission and you are going to do that. And it's I L A kind of falls a little bit differently when I was driving around in L A. Yeah, California is a little yeah. bit different. Yeah, but it definitely feels that way up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I think it's just a different mentality t- towards everything, really. Mm-hmm. Just regardless of what it is, just chill. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, uh, so I actually had one one thing to add to the history because I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, so uh, my grandfather actually, uh, who passed away a few years ago, um, he was influential in uh, our community in, in the Lansdale, Upper Gwynedd area, which is, you know, the suburbs of Philly. Um, but he actually started um, – a, well, he produced and starred in the first student driver education film hmm. um, called For Pete's Sake. And it was was a, he Pete? Uh, I think he might have been Pete. Wow. I, um, I've only seen clips of it, but it came out in 1948. And uh, it ended up becoming uh, required viewing in, in high schools all over the United States that you'd have to watch this video that he created. Uh, and he won like national sta- safety awards and stuff like that for this thing. And um, I mean, he, I, I feel like my grandfather is like the Forrest Gump of people. He's done a lot, but, but this one was was kind of an interesting one as as you look at like you know people getting first getting into driving and like he kind of was in some ways influential on how to teach it because he was a police officer, yeah. and, you know, and and all that. So. Can, can we go back in the day real quick? Let's do it. <laughs> I want to know what your driver's education experience was. Oh. Because mine was done through my high school. Yeah. And I know that doesn't happen a lot anymore. Like it was a class in high school? It was a zero-period class. Oh, wow. No, it was not like that for me. So my driver's ed, um, 
I think actually you could – I'm trying to remember. Back. I don't even know if I had driver's ed. Like that wasn't required to do driver's ed. Now, it was an option and you could like pay a little bit and it was run through I think our tech school mm-hmm. um, at my high school. So or like in collaboration with each other. Um, but I don't remember taking driver's ed. I think I think I may have had to pay a little bit. Yeah. But it was a it was a zero period class. Yeah. Uh, with my fifth grade teacher. Fifth grade teacher. Well, so like he was the fifth grade teacher. Okay. Was the gra- driver's I was going to say, how early? We, how early did they let you drive I mean, in Washington? You know, I was driving. You know, tractors and stuff on yep. the farm. Yep. Lawnmowers and yeah. ATVs and all that kind of stuff early. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'd been driving for a while before yeah. I. I I will say that my driver's test, I do remember that. Um, And I had a uh, quote-unquote lovely lady uh, who looked like she just wanted to kill me the whole time. And she was so angry. Um, And she wanted wanted me to drive faster because I was driving too slow Mm -hmm. around all all the streets and everything. Um, But I, I practiced and I... Uh, I did my parallel parking. I did well with that, and I think I passed on my first time. Wow. If I remember correctly. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I passed as well. I think the only thing I, I screwed up on the actual test was the backing around the corner. I think that was the mm. only thing that I yeah. got docked on a little bit because I yeah. think I hit the curb a little bit. Yeah. Well, but my, my back in the day that I really want to bring up sure. uh, was uh, – when I was in third grade, I believe, um, being from a little town, didn't really know much about traffic. Oh, geez. So uh, my parents, uh, I think my dad was over here on a sabbatical. So he was living here for a couple months uh, working at the University of Washington. And, mm-hmm. and so we came over here to visit him. And I remember we didn't have HOV lanes over in eastern Washington. Okay. Never seen him before in my life. Okay. Didn't understand him at all. Yep. So I was trying to read the signs because I'm a very observant person and like pretty pretty much a rule follower. Okay. And all I saw was the two on the carpool lane. And I had my mom and my dad in the car and I kept asking them. I was like, is it okay that I'm in the car? (laughs) Are you guys sure that I'm? it's okay that I'm in the car? It says two on the sign. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so I vividly remember laying down in the back <laughs> of the car, <laughs> hiding. Like your parents were like, "You're all right, you're yeah, fine," and you're yeah. just. <laughs> but but being you know eight or yeah. nine, you don't know. Did no idea. Yeah. I was like, they're gonna get in so much trouble because I'm in the car yep. and it says two there. Yep. And and they're using this lane. Yeah, that that's pretty funny. I I will say. Uh, well, we can get into this later, but HOV was new to me as well coming out here. Oh, really? I, I was like, what? Like, this is so weird to yeah. me. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll jump back into uh, a little bit of, of my stats here. So we talk, we're talking traffic a lot of this. And, and one of the things that I would wanted to dig a little bit deeper into was, um, you know, while when people commute – what does uh, – how are they commuting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we think about cars because we take – you know, most people take car, but not everybody does. So um, there was a study done. And this is a little bit dated. Again, it's a little hard to find data um, after the, the census from a few years ago. But uh, this – there was a study on um, basically comparing 2006 to 2016 and – there wasn't a ton of changes between the two, but but two biggest things that have changed is um, so car travel, car truck or van um, went from eighty six point seven percent to eighty five point four in two thousand sixteen, and most of these other categories, public trans uh, transport went up just a, a smidge. Uh, that's around it's right now at five point one percent. Bicycle is is 0.6, so it's pretty low. Um, walked is actually 2.7, which that's actually kind of surprising to me. But I guess a lot of cities you'll have that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one of the big spikes, um, and there's taxi cab and motorcycle, but that's a pretty low percentage too. But one of the big spikes in general is 
uh, worked at home. So working at home went from mm, 3.9% to 5%. So interesting. going up a percent is actually, I would say, a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, but I think it's what's interesting is, and in, you know, I don't have numbers on this particularly. Uh, we touched a little bit on it in our electricity, um, but just, you know, electric cars and, and all that. I feel like we, while we aren't giving up our cars, we are getting smarter with, yeah. um, you know, what they use and whether it's cost efficient or better for the environment. That's coming and, and it's here in a lot of ways. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to see, you know, it dropped a little bit from a um, car, truck and van perspective over the last 10 years. But really, it's about the same 10 years prior, um, given that it's a whole whole nother decade. Um, and the other thing that, you know, thinking about commuting as well, I was curious, you know, we have, um, you know, I, I know a number of people that will commute to work by bike. And I think that's actually pretty common. Uh, I feel well, not common, but it's, it's more common in the Seattle area. And especially during the summer, I, mm-hmm. I feel like it feels like every other person is riding their bike, which, you know, is interesting to see that overall in the U S that it's really a, such a, I mean, it's less than a percent that are actually biking to, to work. But, um, but I was curious to see, and again, this is, you know, slightly dated data as well, but, um, but there was a lot of turnover um, in the last couple of years of of uh, percent of people who actually like um, in large cities who bike. And Seattle saw uh, this is uh, about a year ago. Seattle saw a drop of about twenty percent within its bikers, um, which is really surprising to me. And then on the flip side, and there's you know cities like. Um, Portland stayed pretty consistent. Oakland um, and San Francisco went down about the same percent. So West Coast, oddly enough, dropped mostly in its big cities. But then on the East Coast, Philly actually went up 20.5%. So more people are biking in Philly. And um, and I don't know. I know that Seattle's been making a lot of changes over the last year to make it more bike friendly, mm-hmm. uh, bike lanes and all that. And I think some of the cities um, – you know, are making more of those efforts because it does help with traffic congestion is creating those bike lanes. Now it causes some other animosity towards bikers, but you know, if it's getting more people on, on their bikes, um, you know, all the better. Do you think, do you think that Seattle could be because the, um, growth of Seattle has, has really expanded, Mm -hmm. uh, outside of, I'm sure this is taking into account just Seattle itself, not yep. Seattle, you know, the greater Seattle area, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just and so so, you know, you may have people who are now who used to be bikers who are now living in the suburbs because mm-hmm. maybe they can't afford living in Seattle anymore. Yep. Uh all of those type of things, I'm sure play a big factor because yep. when you're talking about Philly increasing by 20% mm-hmm. and then Seattle decreasing. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, Philly, I believe, is growing too, and and cities in general are growing. Um, the, the just because there's a number of people and they're, they're flocking, and so cities are going up. But but it, Seattle has seen a, a immense amount of growth over the last few years, and yeah, a lot think, of those people are newly moving into the city, but they aren't necessarily riding bikes around. They could be. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of well, and a lot of jobs. Yeah. yeah, a lot of businesses have come into downtown yes. Seattle. Where right. I don't know that you necessarily get that in in a Philly or yeah. other cities yep. where they have very a lot of older buildings that are yep. fairly historic, and so the boom hasn't been there. Whereas you just take a look at South Lake Union and like the yep. number of high rises and mm-hmm. you know big buildings that are bringing in um, you know workers there. Those workers aren't necessarily living in in downtown Seattle, having the ability to bike. Right. So I'm sure there's there's something to that. Yeah. Agreed. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely interesting, um, and I'd be curious to see how it, how it trends um, rolling into the new year and with all the um, amenities that at least Seattle is providing. It's it's interesting. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's about that time for a little friendship test. So our first friendship test is is really one of the major catalysts behind actually doing a traffic topic today. Yep. And, and really, uh, I mean, I think we're going to not just do it today, but at some point we were going to do it. Because I always wonder why Justin 
backs into his parking spot. Always. And you've like, never asked me this. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I don't think this. we've ever talked about this, but I was saving it for the podcast. Well, uh, well, good, because there are reasons. So uh, a little bit of background. Uh, I Well, yes, I always back into my spots, I would say, 90% of the time. Um, and I'm a normal parker. I, I, well, go, I go front in. That's a shame that you consider yourself normal as a front parker. But yeah, I'm probably in the mi- I am in the minority. I'm going to embrace it. I'm yeah. in the minority of you of and back police and officers and police. Oh, well, there you go. Um, I never thought about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, they yeah. do that. So maybe similar to a police officer um, in some ways. But the way I see it is typically when I'm getting somewhere. I, I mean, I analyze the situation and I'm like, yeah, I'm in no like crazy rush, right? Right now. Mm-hmm. But you never know, right? You never know if I park at work and I park backwards and then all of a sudden something happens to my wife or I have to run out to grab something or I'm running late. I'm always running late. So, like, for me, I can quickly jump in my car and save 10 seconds every single time. Because my car, I don't know, five seconds, something like Even that. Even that, it's yeah, it's five seconds. I can I, every time I walk out at the same time as someone else at work, it I leave five seconds before they do. I beat them every single time because I am prepared and ready and backed into my spot. Okay, but what if you have to put something in your trunk? Now it's then I have to make a decision. And I will at times go forward. We, you know, recently going through renovations and all that other stuff. Like we've had a lot of those trips to Lowe's where I'm yeah. like, I got to pull forward. And I will say with 100% confidence, I am better at backing into spots than I am pulling into them forward. Wow. Yeah. I, I've noticed this about myself. And when I have to pull in forward, Interesting. I, the angles and everything are just a little wonky just, to me. And I'll sometimes I'll like be a little tight to a line or whatever. Yeah. But backing in. How quickly oh, can you do it? Oh, I can do it real quick. Yeah. And I, uh, my new car that I, that I got last year, um, it has the, the cameras in the back yep. and all that, which, yep. you know, I'm not complaining. I like it. But, I mean, I don't need that. I can just easily just do it based off of the mirrors and. Now, do you do this regardless of – if there's somebody who's pulling into a parking lot behind you? So this was a, a conversation I had a while ago with uh, with Listener X. Um, he was curious, as you were, why I do it all the time. And um, But what I have noticed after talking to him is that sometimes I used to just do it always. Mm-hmm. But then a day like today, actually um, – I pulled in. I had someone coming right behind me. Yeah, I was like, "Well, I shouldn't let. I shouldn't make them wait." That right. added two right. seconds. Okay. So I, will I appreciate pull forward that. into the spot. Now, what I did today, which I do a lot of days, is I will pull forward into a spot. Yeah, and then I will back, back into, into okay. the other spot. That's you know okay. Uh, parallel okay, to so you 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 don't make people wait. I appreciate that. Yeah, and that that has been something that I I try to notice and I'm sure every once in a while I'm like oh crap like I'll be back in it I'm like oh I didn't even see that yeah, car yeah, back yeah. there I, I feel you. like a jerk but I have noticed that and I have changed that about how I park I'm trying to be considerate of the people behind me interesting so, yeah. yeah I I mean as long as you're fast if yeah. you yeah. it sounds like you seem like you're a better parker when you actually back in so you may mm-hmm. be faster oh to- I am yeah I, I probably am a uh, Split second faster. Yeah. Not by much, but faster. Obviously, you have to in. pull forward and, yeah. and right. you know, change gears and yes. back up. Exactly. So you're taking a little bit of time there. Yeah. But, you know, and you want to be careful when you're backing into stuff. But, like, you know, if I needed to and it was like no cars around, I'd be like, like real quick. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy doing that. And I don't, and, you know, again, just, I don't know why I've done it for years and I like it. Well, uh, our next one is, um, do you, Brian, do you, when merging into, um, you know, a highway or whatever, or anywhere, Mm -hmm. are you utilizing the zipper method or are you just jumping in as soon as possible? I'm a zipper guy. Good. We can stay friends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm such a zipper guy that there's, there's a, uh, street on my way home that 
one lane turns into two and I will go all the way up there and I get so mad at people who merge early because the one lane turns into two. And so about half the time, the person who's next to you is going to go to the left lane anyways. Yeah. And so you have a free lane to, to merge right into anyways. Yeah. But, you know, up here in, in 405 where 405 and, and I-90 meet, mm-hmm. oh, that is the worst one. Yep. You have to go go all the way to the front. It saves you so much time. Sa- yep. Almost drive off the off ramp. Yeah. And because inevitably there's going to be a spot that opens up for you. Yeah. I've never gotten sealed out ever. Yeah. And that one is like probably one of the worst merging areas because mm-hmm. you could in theory go continue to go forward. Like right. if there's no more space, obviously – for a West Coaster, I mean, maybe you you on the East Coast use your your uh, car as a um, you know little wedge to make oh, sure that well that that sometimes you have to oh I that's won't. the theory I've heard on on East Coasters is is they well the the guy's not going to just ram me and and you know hit my car so I might as well just inch in and yeah. so, he's going to give me so a So here's the thing so and this is this is also a little bit of back in the day um but the when I had my um permit mm-hmm. when I was driving my mother took me to uh New York uh and she made me drive it was like going to like a a friend of a friend's bar mitzvah or something like that and uh, so she made me drive, and on our way home, we had to merge into New York traffic on, at like six o'clock. Yeah, uh, and it was the worst driving experience of my life. Yeah. Like, no lie, um, I was so nervous. I had a a line of maybe ten cars behind me that are honking because I'm supposed to merge in. But no one is letting me in. Yeah. And so you have to – like in certain spots, in certain cities, you have to be aggressive. Yeah. And just assume that no one's letting you in. You just need to push your way in. And I, like my mom's like laughing hysterically while I'm doing this. And I'm scared out of my mind because I got all – the stress of honking cars and everything. But um, but yeah, I if, if you can follow the zipper method, it's very clean. If you're not following that – zipper method you're just screwing it up whether you're too timid or too aggressive it just is messing things well and i feel like as a driver it's my job to do a good job driving so that traffic is not as bad behind me because really that's the only impact that you have on on traffic you can only make it worse for people behind you you're not going to make it any better better for yourself really you're only going to make it worse for people behind you yeah yeah no I, i agree so our next question has to do with, you know, actually being in, in the seat and or in the car. Mm-hmm. Which seat do you prefer when riding in the car? So for me, uh, my uh, I have a wife, for those who don't know. Um, I consider myself the driver in the relationship, uh, and I like that. I kind of prefer it. I'm used to it. Um, you know, she obviously can drive and she, you know, occasionally will. And so, but sometimes when we walk out to the car and she goes to the, the, she's like, oh, I can drive. I'm like, no, nah, I got it. I'm like, I can do it. And it's not that she's a bad driver at all. It's just that I'm used to that. And I like a little bit of its control. Plus she, you know, I think she enjoys it cause she can just be on her phone and be, you know, multitasking yeah. and all yeah. that other stuff. Um, but I, I would say 90% of the time I am on board for with driving. And yeah. if it's like a long road trip, sometimes I'll be like, all right, you take your turn driving. But, you know, for instance, when my wife and I drove across the country um, from Philly to Seattle, and I probably drove 90% of the time yeah. because, well, my wife couldn't stay awake. So we, we just did it that way. But – um, so I, yeah, I don't mind it. What, what about you? I'm the I'm in the same boat. A uh, little bit different um, reasoning. I one tend to get car sick. Oh, um, okay. not real bad, but but if I'm in the back, um, I'm not 
100% comfortable depending on how the person is driving. Like mm-hmm. um, if there are certain people where my stomach would just churn and and I'd get a little car sick even before getting in the car with them if I knew I was riding with them. Hmm. I, I just wow. didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, again, part of it is, you know, not having the control. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, especially on road trips, I like driving because I like having something to do. I don't want to be on my phone because, again, I get a little bit car sick. Sure. But um, uh, I just enjoy, you know, looking around. Actually, and, yeah, being able yeah. to, um, you know, drive really like i think that's why i some you know somewhat have a fascination with planes and Mm -hmm. and things like that because like when i go up in a plane i kind of want to go fly it because i want something to do and not just sit there and watch a movie or whatever it might be i want to actually be physically doing something over that two hour three hour period so one thing I'll, i'll touch on quickly here is um you know in related to like kind of distraction driving that type of thing but um, I when I started listening to podcasts and also to audiobooks, um, I very easily can just go into the world of whatever it is and just I'm driving, yes, but I'm like immersed in in whatever world it is. Or if it's podcasts are a little different, but certainly with an audiobook, you know, if it's a fantasy thing, like I'm like in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have trouble with that, like being able to both focus on the road and then also like be listening to, you know, you might be listening to this podcast in a car and, and that might be fine. Cause we're just talking about things. We're not necessarily storytelling, but from a storytelling perspective, I, I don't think a lot of people can, there's not a lot of people that do audiobooks driving or I, sorry, I take that back. There are people that do that, but I think there's a lot of people that, that just don't feel comfortable with that and just being able to be keen on the road, but also, you know, be able to be immersed in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I do that pretty well. Yeah. Um, so the last question we'll have here, uh, for our friendship test is, uh, in the ride sharing standpoint, are you a Lyft or are you an Uber or a taxi? Uh, it depends on the situation. Um, okay. Coming out of the airport, I'm a taxi guy. I don't, I'm, I'm almost always a taxi guy because it's like, why wait on, I, I agree. Um, the rates are about the same. The t- yeah, the ride share, mm-hmm. um, and the taxi's just right there. Like mm-hmm. I can just jump right in. Yep. Um, typically, I am an Uber person. I know there's you know there's a lot of people who do not like yeah. the what the company has done in the past and things like that. Um, but I have just had better experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've also had bad experiences too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, but I don't know that I would say, oh, that's because it's this company. Right. It's really, you know, you get a driver and, and you can't say that that driver represents, yes, yeah. they represent the company, but, but it's but not. But you'll like find a, that with both rideshare yeah, right. companies um, and taxis and, yeah, and everything. Sure. Like all of those things, you know, sometimes I find that taxis, drive too fast for me because mm-hmm. they're you know they're trying to get yeah. to someplace so quickly right. whereas ride share is a little bit more you can sometimes get your more casual driver who is gonna get you there on time but mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like pedal to the metal swerving inside and yeah. out of of uh lanes and all that kind of yeah. stuff yeah no i i think that makes sense i I'm, i agree with you on the taxi i'll uh, more often than not, i'll take that from the airport other than that, I don't ever really take a taxi. Yeah, it's 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 just easier to yeah. to anywhere else. It's easier. Yeah. Now, if a taxi were to, like in in um, when I was in London, mm-hmm. London's uh, cabs, uh, the black cabs mm-hmm. have an app similar to uh, Uber oh, okay. and yeah. and Lyft, which makes it super easy. Yeah. You know, just as easy. Whereas. You know, you never really know in the city that you're in what, yeah. you know, if they have an app, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever taxi company yeah. it is. I think actually like two years ago, uh, I think it was about two years ago, I needed to leave at like 4 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, at the time, and they, not, they now have it, but at the time, Uber did not have uh, schedule rides. Yeah. And so you'd have to use a taxi for that. And yep. so I did that in that case, and it worked really well. It just, But they didn't have an app. It was just a website. Yeah, you had to go it just website. felt very archaic. Yeah. Well, and even even with Uber, and maybe maybe they've updated this, but the scheduling it doesn't actually schedule the Uber to be at your place at that time, right? Uh, I think it does. I think you could schedule it. I haven't done it in yeah, a while. Yeah, actually, I did. Yes, it does. Okay, recently. because because yeah. when I when I did it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and the reason I didn't like it was because it scheduled it to be ordered at that time, and so oh. it it then you know no it it's it's better now. Okay, they they like will send out a thing, and you can I think accept the ride earlier if you're a driver or whatever. Got it. Um, but yeah, so for me, I I am an Uber person. I wouldn't necessarily you know hitch my um, wagon to it. Um, but, uh, I just, from the start, I've been using Uber. Um, I will say that, yes, I've heard that stuff about some stuff about Uber and I want to do like my own research into it. Cause there's some interesting and sometimes shady stuff with, with Uber, but, um, on the contrary, and I'm sure there's stuff on both, but Lyft, uh, if you have time, there is another podcast, um, called how I built this. And they go over like a company that, you know, how they started and got their name and all that other stuff. Uh, Lyft just has a really interesting back background and their owners are very, um, I don't know, I just was kind of inspired with how they built their business and very opposite to the the negative um, flack that Uber gets. Um, so I almost want to be a Lyft person, but mm-hmm. I just haven't made that shift. And it's more, you know, because, um, you know, I've been tied to Uber for so long. Well, you know, we we usually around this time we like to have a, a you know a very thoughtful debate, and uh, we like to call that our delusional thinking. This week we're talking traffic. We're talking you know getting to and from places. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about this particular thing, but would you rather live your life without GPS? Mm-hmm. Or without the ability to drive faster than 40 miles per hour. Jeez. Wow. Well, uh, I have one qualifying question for you. Okay. GPS meaning um, like we're going back to MapQuest days and looking it all up online or having it in your head or looking at a map. Yep. um, I would even say – no MapQuest. I'm going to add that to wow. this. No MapQuest. I don't even know if MapQuest is around anymore. But you don't get MapQuest. You have printed maps. Yeah. And that's it. So the you can't even be told where you the – You can be told. You can No, but I mean but, like like by a computer, it won't tell you, oh, here is this location. You have to physically know the, where the address is. I think you are going to the day before MapQuest launched their product. I'm sure there was competitors that were around the same time, but assume that is where you are in the time timeline, and you do not have any of that. Yikes! Okay, well, I think I'm gonna have to go with. I I I think I can live without GPS. I can. I think I can live without all of that technology. I need to get places faster than 48 miles per hour. Yeah. I, I feel like in my head, I'm actually a fairly good navigator uh, once I've seen a place. Sure. So once I actually physically go to somewhere, um, you know, I feel like I can refine that location again fairly well. I also think I understand for the most part most cities because of how you know most of them are built on grids so Mm -hmm. as long as you continue west you're eventually going to run into you know your major north south Mm -hmm. highway whatever it might be so i'm going to take my 70 miles per hour in montana yep and I may not know where I'm going exactly because I only have a map and it may be difficult to look at while going 70 miles per hour. But I just don't think I can go 40. I mean, that would mean it would take me seven hours to get home. Seven hours to get to Pullman. 
Because it usually takes you like three and a half. Or... Yeah, it, t- yeah. it usually takes me about four. Yeah. Wow. It, it's two hundred about 280 Yeah, that's miles. a lot of – now, okay, so before I give you my, my opinion, my choice on this, I, I will say that both of these things – force you similar to some of these other questions we've talked about but they force you to slow down literally mm-hmm. in that one yeah. but with gps you are slowing down without gps you're slowing down to you know in some ways you know you you may be driving 80 if you know where you're going but yeah. if you don't yeah, you're like you're looking around you have and, to stop at places yeah. you have to you know converse with other people um and uh i will say i i love gps is something you take for granted these days, mm-hmm. um, I mean, heck, almost every time I get in my car, I'm plugging my phone into the car and I have a little screen that, um, you know, is basically it's Google Maps that comes up. Um, and I can, you know, even if I'm just driving to work, sometimes I will plug it in just to see if there's a quicker route to go. I know how to get to work. I know a lot of different ways to get to work, but sometimes there's an accident on you know I ninety or on some back road or wherever that I typically take, and I think GPS creates such a great asset and value in that way. Yeah. But for the first time ever, we are going to agree. Wow! I was a- just trying to look that up to see to actually reflect to make sure that I was correct in thinking that we haven't agreed on our delusional thinking. Yep. We, to my knowledge, we have not until today. Wow. I've given up the GPS. Uh, I, I do love GPS, but but similar to you, I feel like my bearings are pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and I just – I kind of like the discovery of things. Um, you know, sometimes – actually, I don't know if you do this, but I have – I mean, obviously, I have GPS. And there will be times when we need to go somewhere. Let's say I go over to a friend's house that we don't go to very often that's maybe an hour away. I'll I'll tell my wife and say, hey, like – I don't want to know, like, look it up, maybe pull it up in the GPS, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to drive and make the turns and test myself in getting to a certain location. And Somewhere if, you've already been? Or? Somewhere I've already oh, been. Oh, okay. But, but I'm testing my memory because yeah, then I can I like start to remember the, the roads in a better way. And sometimes, especially in the city, I, I do that a lot because I'll, be like, I'll find my way to a certain place, a different way of getting there. Yeah. Um, it may take me a little bit longer, and that will happen for both of us. How but, often does your wife get frustrated that you? Uh, I I would say not very frustrated because she a lot of times when I ask her to actually pull it up on her on her GPS or whatever, she will let me know if I'm going like the wrong way or if we're in a time sensitive situation. Yeah. Um, but what I'll say is, I actually this is another positive of losing GPS. I do get frustrated. Sometimes when I do need the GPS and uh, my wife is in charge of if, – if it's not on the screen in front of me, she's in charge of telling me what's going on. And as a navigator, sometimes she's not the best. <laughs> she will hopefully tell you that herself. But If not, she's, she's listening to she's it listening. right now. Yeah, but, and uh, you, you, by yeah. the time this, she's listening to yeah, this, that's right. maybe – She's beautiful and she's smart. But navigation <laughs> is not her strength. She just gets distracted with all the other stuff on her phone. So, but yeah, I think I could go without GPS because I love the discovery. I think it kind of takes you back to like just exploring and discovering things. I mean, I, even growing up, uh, my uh, my mom used to take us on just just driving. Like we would just drive around, yeah. and there was no, to my understanding, no purpose of it. Just family time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something nice about that, and um, of just kind of exploring different areas and, and roads and yeah. um, stuff. So. I I I love doing that type of stuff, both in the car and just on foot. Just like hmm. I'll just yeah. go walk down a street and yep. walk down that street as far as I possibly can, and then take a left and yep. you know figure my way out back you know back. To home or yep. to my hotel or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so I, I do enjoy that. I, I, we are very similar in this topic except for the backing in thing. I, it, it's still, I don't, I, I, don't I would have actually pegged you if I had to, if you gave me a choice and said, Brian, you are either this or this, I would have pegged you as a back end person. You know, it, cause apparently I that's do, a type. <laughs> I, I do. I do know a lot of people uh, in rural areas, do 
back in. So okay. it is it is popular yeah. in rural areas to to back their trucks in. Interesting. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I I think this for oh. us to agree. Yeah. On our ninth episode. Yeah. We're gonna have a little bit of a different adventure <laughs> on number ten. Yes, I think that's a that's a good way to finish the the f- first nine episodes. Yeah, I I agree, and you know, I I love the debate. We always have good debate, um, and we had some internal debate with this one, but it is kind of interesting to agree with you, Brian. We don't do this very yeah. often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, between the the thinking on the same wave wavelength for the topic. Mm-hmm. To agreeing on our de- delusional thinking, yep. it just it just number sense. nine, number nine, perfect episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, next time we'll we'll have some guests. Yep. We'll see how that's going to go. It could be a, a disaster, and I encourage you to tune in. Yeah. Just to see the mess. Yeah. Or it could be our best episode yet, and we totally change how the podcast yeah. goes. But it'll be interesting either way. It will be interesting. I'm I'm interested to know if either of them either either of the guests are actually going to listen to this episode before they join I don't us. Oh, maybe. I gave a little homework to them yeah. that they had to at least listen to they, and they've dabbled a little bit, but yeah. I said you need to listen to at least a full episode before you come on to our podcast. Yeah. Because you got to understand it, you got to know, right? Got to know got to know the format. Yeah. So everybody's expecting it. We can't yeah. just listener X he he's got he loves the format, yep. I believe. We likes have. likes. Yeah, sure. Hasn't had any complaints about it yet. Yep. So um thanks for joining us on episode nine of, of the Quest for One Hundred. Yeah, follow us on Facebook at Quest for One Hundred Podcast. See y'all next week. <laughs>